0: section twenty six of a book of sibyls by Anne thackeray ritchie this librivox recording is in the public domain mrs opie part four there is something very interesting in the impression one receives of the inspired peasant as alan cunningham calls john opie the man who did not paint to live so much as live to paint He was a simple high-minded cornishman whose natural directness and honesty were unspoiled by favor unembittered by failure opie's gift like some deep-rooted seed living buried in arid soil ever aspired upwards towards the light his ideal was high his performance fell far short of his lifelong dream and he knew it but his heart never turned from its life's aim and he loved beauty and art with that true and unfailing devotion which makes a man great even though his achievements do not show all he should have been the old village carpenter his father who meant him to succeed to the business was often angry and loudly railed at the boy when good whitewashed walls and clean boards were spoiled by scrawls of lamp-black and charcoal john worked in the shop and obeyed his father but when his day's task was over he turned again to his darling pursuits at twelve years old he had mastered euclid and could also rival mark oakes the village phenomenon in painting a butterfly by the time john was sixteen he could earn as much as seven shillings sixpence for a portrait it was in this year that there came to truro an accomplished and various man dr walcott sometimes a parson sometimes a doctor of medicine sometimes as peter pindar a critic and literary man this gentleman was interested by young opie in his performances and he asked him on one occasion how he liked painting better than bread and butter says the boy walcott finally brought his protege to london where the doctor's influence and opie's own undoubted merit brought him success and to opie's own amazement he suddenly found himself the fashion His street was crowded with carriages. Long processions of ladies and gentlemen came to sit to him. He was able to furnish a house in Orange Court by Leicester Fields. He was beginning to put by money, when, as suddenly as he had been taken up, he was forgotten again. The carriages drove off in some other direction, and Opie found himself abandoned by the odd, fanciful world of fashions, which would not be fashions if they did not change day by day it might have proved a heart-breaking phase of life for a man whose aim had been less single but opie was of too generous a nature to value popularity beyond achievement he seems to have borne this freak of fortune with great equanimity and when he was sometimes overwhelmed it was not by the praise or dispraise of others but by his own consciousness of failure of inadequate performance troubles even more serious than loss of patronage and employment befell him later he had married unhappily for himself a beautiful unworthy woman whose picture he has painted many times she was a faithless as well as a weak and erring wife and finally abandoned him when opie was free to marry again he was thirty-six a serious downright man of undoubted power and influence of sincerity and tenderness of feeling of rugged and unusual manners he had not many friends nor did he wish for many but those who knew him valued him at his worth his second wife showed him what was in her by her appreciation of his noble qualities though one can hardly realize a greater contrast than that of those two so unlike in character in training and disposition they were married in london at marlebon church in that dismal year of 98 which is still remembered opie loved his wife deeply and passionately he did not charm her though she charmed him but for his qualities she had true respect and admiration end of section 26